This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Good to be back in the fold. Good to be back in the mix. Still not 100%, you know, playing hurt. We're abiding by the rules, all those things. But you know what? This is where you want to be. There's enough things to talk about where you want to be on the mic. You want to be doing the show. You want to be talking. We want to be hanging out. We want to be interacting because this is what we do. And, you know, we are ever so close to kicking it up into that so-called busy season. You know, that's why I know I know summer technically still has a few more weeks, right? But as well as we're concerned, like, once we get back next week after Labor Day, like, it's, it's full systems go, baby. It's, it's, it's money time. You know, the preseason is over in the NFL. Thank the good Lord for that. Thank the good Lord. And thankfully, most teams and our teams were able to get out of it in one piece without really any severe, significant injury, unless you want to factor in the couple of casualties the Jets took. But the quarterback will be back at some point. And, you know, as I said, when it happened with Mekhi Becton, I mean, was that somebody that you could necessarily count on? 100% given the fact that, you know, he had missed all of last season and really was no sure thing as to what you were even going to get out of him this year. But for the most part, we are ready. And now teams are tweaking the rosters, fine-tuning, making sure that they put the best group together that can compete for a title and do some big things. And more importantly, give us something we're talking about for the next four, five months if you want to get a little bit crazy. I don't have to tell you. I mean, when was the last time... We actually had a time when both football teams in this town were worth discussing, right? Remember there were actually days where we would begin shows and the large degree of the program would be dominated by football? Imagine that. What, what a concept that is. What a thought, right? Like we're talking about one team being good. We're talking about another team being good. We could even get into these like stupid debates as to like who's better. Right? But we got to get to that point first. When is that happening? And I guess we got a long ways to go because, look, you're not going to draw any conclusions off what you saw at MetLife Stadium yesterday. And I missed not being out there yesterday. I missed our group, missed the guys, missed everybody that we're used to seeing at the games. But, you know, preseason's over with. Now it counts for real. So we'll do a lot of football stuff here over the next few hours. As always, you want to get me on Twitter, feel free to do so, at Dan Grouse, G-R-A-C-A. A lot of baseball stuff. Mets off. I mean, I guess, you know, like you, if you want to take a step back, like I tried to do, you want to look at it rationally, good weekend, right? What did we say last week? When did I talk to you last Thursday? They were beginning the series with Colorado. I said, nothing less than three out of four. Nothing less. But when you lose the last one, it just leaves a bitter taste in your mouth, right? Like, no matter what you do, you just can't get rid of that taste. It just lingers and lingers and lingers. And you got to, like, keep, you know, drinking water to get rid of that taste, and it just doesn't go away. That's what I'm dealing with now. And they wasted dominant effort by Max Scherzer yesterday. And, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit later. I know they're in first place. I know they got some help from St. Louis, thankfully, to where the Atlanta Braves lost back-to-back games. But I'm concerned about this offense. I really and truly am. I'm concerned about this offense because they don't have the ability to tack on runs. Yesterday, they couldn't do anything. 
Saturday, you know, they get the Nimmo home run right out of the gates, but then it's like they can't put them away. They can't put these bad teams away. Add on runs. They're not doing that. What happens when you play good teams? That would be my Met takeaway. We'll also have a lot to say about the old-timers day. You know, going on the injured list more than anything, I was bummed. I, I, I missed out on old-timers day. I planned on going out there on Saturday. And what an event that was. What an absolute grand slam, check all the boxes, whatever you want to call it. Steve Cohen, the entire organization, boy, did they do a good job with that. And I know that it was 30 years in the making or close to it, but you know something? I don't think that is anything that necessarily gets stale if you are going to do it on an annual basis, to be quite honest with you, if you're the Mets. It meant a lot to the fans. It meant a lot to the players. They all spoke glowingly about Steve Cohen. And, you know, I heard a couple of players say it. You don't have to be a genius to figure it out. Those things cost money, right? Those things, those players, those guys, some of them are in the Hall of Fame. They don't come back for free. They all have better things to do. Nobody says, hey, let me hop on a plane, because they don't all live in the area, and fly back to New York and reconnect with some of my old buddies who I haven't seen in a while just because I got nothing better to do on a uh, weekend in August, late in the summer. No, Steve Cohen is the one who footed the bill for all that stuff because it means a lot to the organization. It means a lot to him, and it meant a lot to the fans. And that's why he's so popular, among other reasons. Yankees Angels tonight, they begin a series down in Anaheim, and they see if they can snap out of the little funk that they're in offensively. You know, we talk about the Mets offense. What about the Yankee offense? Everybody thought that all was right with the world with the Yankees on that Thursday night when they go out there, they put up 13 runs, what was it, 20 hits, and not one time did the ball leave the yard, and yet they put up a baker's dozen. Well, what happened? They only scored six runs in the next three games against the A's. Against the lowly, stinking A's. And it wasn't like Hudson, Mulder, and Zito were on the mound in those three games for Oakland either. You know, and hopefully by the time the show is over, like maybe we'll, you know, we'll put out a feeler tonight because it's not really my area of expertise. But hopefully somebody can help us figure it out. We got to find a new place for a Roldis Chapman to get some tattoos done. Hopefully ones that actually clean and sanitize the needles because I, I don't know where he went. I don't know if it was a buddy or somebody that he knew or, but, you know, caused an infection and now he's on the injured list. And when it rains, it pours, right? When it rains, it pours. This guy can't get out of his own way this year. It seems like if anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. And now the guy goes and gets a tattoo, it gets infected, and now he's going to be on the shelf. You're going to trust the guy to get big outs late in the season, maybe in the month of October in the playoffs, if you can't even trust him to go get a tattoo without getting an infection. I, I get it. I get it. I totally get it. You know, not his fault. He didn't ask for it, right? But still happened. Still didn't change the fact that the Yankees are down a reliever that they could probably use. And now you're going to go play an Angels team who stinks, and they're a joke, and they're pathetic, and all those things. But the Angels just went up into Toronto and swept the Blue Jays. Not swept, embarrassed the Blue Jays. Like, back-to-back shutouts in two of the games. I think it was like 22-3. to Trout and Otani both homered yesterday. So you know that they have that capability, and if the Yankees go into Anaheim sleepwalking here tonight, well, that's what they can ill afford to do. 
go down there and beat up on a team, which is a joke. That's what the Angels are. The organization is a joke. Remember, it's so bad that the owner is now trying to cash out and sell the team. Snap out of this little funk and go beat the Angels. Another big start tonight for Montas. You know, you want to see him continue to get it going in the right direction. He was good against the Mets, pitching in and out of trouble. And this is an Angels team that he knows well. You know, he saw this team plenty for a lot of years while he was a member of the Oakland A's. So in my opinion, the edge should be Yankees any which way you slice it for this game tonight and for the rest of this series. But they got to go out there and just win games again. Start feeling good about themselves. And some of these guys that are in a funk, you know what? Snap out of it. Snap the hell out of it. Plus, you got a couple of other quarterbacks who were sticking around in the NFL, which we'll talk about later. Jimmy G not leaving San Francisco. How about that? Staying around with the Niners. Tom Brady back with the Buccaneers. Still don't know if there was a masked singer performance. I guess we'll find out. We'll hear from Tom a little bit later on as to what he had to say about his absence. I don't know if you guys saw it, but there's something going on there. There really is. I, I don't know what it is. Um, he just looks odd. You know, he don't look like a dude who's 45 is supposed to look. And he looks different than he did two weeks ago when he disappeared. That's the reality. I mean, his face, I mean, like the internet has had a field day with it. Like your your face is not supposed to radically alter its shape to the extent that his has in two weeks. You know, if he went away with his family, if they went on a trip someplace, Bahamas, Bermuda, Brazil, wherever the hell they went. I mean, did he get some facial reconstruction surgery done while he was there? What is going on? And our buddy Todd Bowles, who thinks that, hey, I'm getting a chance to be a head coach again. I got Tom Brady. I got a ready-to-may-win team. Uh, things are going to be great. And now he's got to deal with all this garbage. The Tom Brady soap opera before the season even starts. Plus, we got everything going on tonight at the U.S. Open. A big night could be a farewell for Serena Williams. It's the opening night at the U.S. Open, so they're doing all the pomp and circumstance. I think there's some, because I don't have the sound down. I'm just watching it. There's some... It's a, like a Ukrainian musical performance ensemble thing out at Arthur Ashe Stadium, which is nice in theory. Um, but everybody's here to see Serena, and she's going to be the first match tonight. And there's going to be a, a big ceremony for her, win or lose, after her match is final. And, you know, when it was announced that she was coming back and she was playing, I, I, I said then, you know, if you're going to the U.S. Open and you want to see Serena, make sure you get tickets for the first day. Because that is all you're going to be guaranteed to see her. I don't have high expectations that she is making a, forget about a deep run. I, I don't even know if she's making it to Wednesday, meaning winning a match. Okay, she's won one match since June of last year. Um, You know, it'll be a thrill if she does win this one tonight. Under the lights, opening night, Arthur Ashe, packed house, that'd be great. But to expect her to go on a run, she, let's put it this way. If you were trying to go out there on the holiday weekend, you know, in last hurrah for summer, thinking you'd see Serena, I would not exactly hedge my bet onto that happening. Tonight's probably your best bet. So we'll see. We'll keep you posted, all those things. And, oh, by the way, yeah, Knicks and Donovan Mitchell stuff, that's still swirling. So we got a lot of things to talk about. That's why I wanted to be on tonight. You know, I'm not 100%. I think I sound a lot better than I did on Thursday. A lot better, actually. But we'll have some fun here over the next few hours. 800 919 3776. That is the telephone number. 
We got to start with the football, right? The preseason is over. Mercifully, the preseason is over. And now it starts to count for real. So we'll talk about the Jets. We'll talk about the Giants, what we saw in the month of August. And more importantly, I got a question for this to you guys. Anything that you witnessed over the last few weeks in preseason and training camp from either team that either enhances or diminishes the expectations that you had for them originally for this season? I'd like to know that. Dan Gross' show, we are back, live and in living color. Final week of the summer, baby, right here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Chris Strebler magic. You can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. Finds a way to get it done. Strebler to Calvin Jackson in the waning seconds. Jets beat the Giants. Finish off a perfect preseason. Say this for Robert Sala. He still hasn't lost the game yet as a preseason head coach. Now if they can only get the September, October, November, December part figured out, then, you know, looks like a match. Looks like it'll be great. Jets are going to play the Ravens week one. The Ravens have won 23 straight preseason games. Jets were undefeated in the preseason this year. You know, somebody's got to lose finally on September the 11th. We'll find out who it is. But, you know, I'll tell you, watching a guy like Strebler and seeing what he did, and I understand that, He's not going to play. But you almost feel bad trying to tell a guy like that that you don't deserve a roster spot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you've done basically everything you've been asked to do. You've taken advantage of every opportunity that was put forward to you in the preseason here, and you made the most of it. You got the team in the end zone. You led them to victories in the fourth quarter. Like, what more could you do? But... He's probably going to find himself on the practice squad, and I say maybe only because any other team could pick him up. You know, if they wave you, you got 31 other teams that can put in a claim for you. And only then are they able to sneak you onto the practice squad. But he opened up enough eyes, I think, and got enough coverage to where, you know, there's going to be a team in the NFL that looks at him and says, no, you know what, he could be, he could be one of our, you know, three quarterbacks if they keep three. But he feel good for a kid like that. And, you know, working hard, all those things, it really was good to see. And I thought that Calvin Jackson had himself a really, really good camp as well, and Jets reportedly cut him today. You know, maybe they're going to try to sneak him back on again with the, the practice squad, but 
it, it's a dicey proposition. And what you're seeing with the Jets, and I mentioned this last week, and I think even I and Eagle said it on the broadcast yesterday, that you're finding the guys that they've released already get picked up by other teams, which means, you know, you're cutting quality players. And it just speaks to the volume and the depth of the roster that, you know, Joe Douglas has done a nice job here in a couple of years, increasing the personnel, increasing the talent on this roster. And it was good to see. You know, I was I mentioned Elijah Riley last week. I was watching after the Jet game yesterday. I'm watching the Steelers and the Lions finish out the preseason, you know, counting every last second for the preseason to be over. Elijah Riley's out there making plays in the Steelers' secondary. Jets, he was a Jet a couple of weeks ago. You know, and Pittsburgh is a winning program. They'll find ways to make him useful. But it was good to see regardless. Um, Here's Robert Sala talking about the aforementioned Chris Strebler. Strebler, I think he's probably had one of the greatest preseason in the history of football. I mean, it's been awesome. <laughs> Made the decision to go for it at the end very easy, knowing that the ball was in his hands and just knew you were going to get it. So really pumped for him. And what about Strebler himself and the opportunities that he was given here in the last month? It's, been, it's just been an unbelievable camp, you know, just such a such an up and down ride for me of, you know, just how things started and then getting getting some, so much time in games and just getting so many opportunities. I'm just honestly, I just have a lot of feelings of gratitude right now for all the opportunities. And I'm just so thankful to even be given the opportunity to be here in the first place. So I don't take anything for granted. And, you know, I, I put my best foot forward every day. And now's the hard part. You know, now's the hard part for any team. You got to go out there and you got to make difficult decisions. And you might have to say goodbye to some guys that you don't want to say goodbye to. And this, goes, this is the same around the league. It's not just with the Jets or the Giants. Or it, it's like this with all 32 teams. And there are players that probably outplayed guys who were going to end up making, you know, Team A, Team B, whatever you want to call it. But because of contracts and this and that, you know, they're, or draft status, for example. You know, like if you were a draft choice the last year and they want to you know, help you fulfill your expectations or at least validate the draft choice, they're going to keep you around and they're going to say goodbye to somebody else, fairly or unfairly. That's just the way this game works. It's a business. But the tape doesn't lie, right? And that's the old saying, that if you go out there and you play well enough and you lay it out there on film, that somebody's going to notice and that's going to be good enough to hopefully get you a spot on somebody's roster. But that was the situation, um, you know, talking about the Jets and, you know, Denzel Mims, all eyes were on him yesterday because he went out there and he requested a trade, right? I want out of here. I was a second-round pick a couple of years ago, and I'm not getting the reps, and I'm not getting the opportunities. He made the most of it yesterday. Seven grabs, went over 100 yards, found the end zone. You know, he looked like a second-round pick. Now, it was against backups primarily, but still, you got to go out there and play. You got to go out there and get things done. But what did I say the last time we were on in regards to the trade request and to why, you know, it's not working out? Robert Sala basically said the same thing. I don't remember if it was yesterday or if it was Friday when addressing the Mims thing. You know, if you draft Garrett Wilson and you draft Elijah Moore – and you sign Corey Davis, like, all those guys are going to get first dibs over a Denzel Mims. That's why they brought them in. They just brought in better wide receivers. 
You know, from when Mims was drafted in 2020, they upgraded the position. And different from Mims, you know, those other guys, they didn't have to miss extended period of time like he did. You know, they didn't have to miss an entire offseason because of injuries or this or that or whatever. So they were able to get down into the playbook, learn the offense, maybe get acclimated a little bit easier, and gel with the quarterback, gel with the coaches. And Mims kind of fell behind in the pecking order there. No, no knock on himself. You know, bad things happen. So when you look at a Denzel Mims, you're no better probably right now than fifth on the depth chart because Berrios is there, and they just re-signed him, so they're not going to demote him. They're going to play him. And Mims doesn't play special teams as well as, let's say, Jeff Smith does. Another wide receiver. Mims is a better wide receiver, I think, than Jeff Smith. But can you justify dressing a fifth wide receiver on game days when you only have X amount of spots that you could take onto the field with you if they don't play special teams? And that's the difficult part about this. Jeff Smith plays special teams better than Mims. Mims is trying to get in on special teams. He's trying but he's just not as good, and you don't want to have a liability out there either. And the last thing about the Jets is, you know, the first team offense played yesterday. I'm sure everybody was kind of like holding their breath, wondering, hoping, figuring, like, okay, like, nobody get hurt. And it works that way for the other team too. And the offense struggled yesterday, right? They didn't do anything as a unit that you would hope going up against the second-team giant defense. Flacco threw a pick six. But are we really going to get bent out of shape over what one team did or one team didn't do in the preseason against whoever they – no. I mean, how many times in, in, in league history and how many times have we been watching this where teams do great in the preseason and stink up the joint when it counts for real and vice versa? They can't get anything going in the preseason, and then the, the, the real thing starts, and then voila. You know, the Lions went 0-16, whatever year that was, in 2008, and they went 4-0 in the preseason. It means absolutely nothing. Let's see what happens here when we start September the 11th. And you look at the Giants, like, you know, all things considered, The guys that you had questions about on the offense, I think there's two that you start with for the Giants, with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones had a good camp. Had a good camp, looked good in the preseason when he played. He didn't play yesterday, which, you know, I can't blame the Giants. I wouldn't blame either. But he had a good camp. Saquon Barkley, same thing. When we saw him, I saw the guy, and I don't want to get carried away here too much, I saw a guy who kind of resembled the rookie from a few years ago in terms of the burst, the acceleration, moving with the football, things that you want to see from Saquon. You hope to see this year because you know what? It's only going to help the offense. So those questions to a certain degree at least were answered in camp, but now it starts for real. And this is where you're going to be evaluated. All the doubts and all the concerns about is Daniel Jones, the long-term quarterback for the Giants, is Dayball and, and Joe Shane, are they convinced that, that Jones is going to be the guy? Well, guess what? Now you begin to get answers. Not over the last couple of weeks. That means nothing. You know, Daniel Jones goes out, throws four interceptions against the Tennessee Titans week one. That's going to throw a wrench into things. Not saying it's going to happen, but 
Now's the money season. And it couldn't get here fast enough, if you ask me. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We come back, we're going to take your phone calls. Jets, Giants, expectations, preseason takeaways. We just still don't have finalized rosters and cuts like that. Remember, those are due by tomorrow afternoon where everybody's got to get down to 53. They won't be able to react to some of the names that are no longer here when we get on the air tomorrow and do the show. So we'll talk some Jets and Giants with you when we come back. Also, also, how about Jimmy G? Hell, we were talking maybe about the possibility of the Giants going out and trading for him. Well, now nobody's trading for him. His same team is keeping him. Why, and is it a smart move? We'll discuss. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Final week of August, into September, into the holiday weekend, and into the busy season. Let's face it. 800-919-3776. Before we get to the phone calls here on the football, I'm sure you've seen it making the rounds on the internet. And I don't remember if it was highlighted at all during the game yesterday, but you know, Kenny Galladay was one of the few giant starters who played yesterday. And look, you don't have to be a genius to figure it out that Kenny Galladay has not exactly made the impact that giants and giant fans were hoping when they signed him to that huge contract a season ago. Now, for the record, let me just say, I was a big Kenny Galladay fan. You know, going into that offseason, whatever, so what was it, after, after the 20 season heading into 2021, I actually thought that he was one of my favorite, maybe one or two wide receivers that were on the market. Love the way that he attacked the football. What I mean by that is, you know, you see a lot of these wide receivers, you know, if a pass is thrown to him down the field, they kind of just like wait for the ball to play them. He, he's the exception. The guy that, you know, would go play the ball, not wait for a DB to maybe go and make a play on it. He would go make the play on the ball using his size, using his strength, using his physicality. I love that about him when he was wearing a line uniform. And that's why I was just as surprised as anybody that it didn't work out last year to the extent that it should have. And I know that we can look back on it now in hindsight and just say, yeah, well, it's not working out. Um, Boy, that's another mistake Dave Gettleman made. And it's like everything that Dave Gettleman touched really has not worked out for the New York Giants. And that's why he's no longer there, among other reasons. But even in hindsight, it's like it's the gift that keeps on giving, (laughs) right? And, And he's no longer there. So yesterday he was targeted one time in the game, and there was a running play that the Giants had where, you know, it was an outside run, and Galladay, you would think, would be in line to maybe get his body in the way, offer up a block, try to spring his teammate for a few extra yards, and he wanted no part of it. 
You know, we're talking about one of the stronger, more physical wide receivers in the National Football League, and he wanted nothing to do with the play. You're going to chalk it up to, well, it's preseason, who cares? Or is it just going to be, boy, this is more um, Kenny Galladay just not buying in or just it, it's not working out for him? So after the game, I mean, everybody notices this. So they asked Brian Dayball. The media asked Brian Dayball that, um, you know, what, why is Kenny, Kenny Galladay out there today, you know, as one of the only starters that really saw the field? And is that possibly a direct reflection on his roster status for the upcoming season in any way? Here's what the coach had to say. Yeah, we, I mean, look, all those, all those receivers are competing. And, um, you know, Kenny's had a good camp. And Joe and I will sit back. We'll talk about everybody. Now, wait a sec. You're talking about everybody. Does that mean that Kenny Galladay is possibly – in danger of not making this team? Is that, is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, no, I'm just saying I'm not going to commit to anybody being on the roster or not on the roster until I sit down with Joe and have a conversation with Joe. We have a lot to talk about at a lot of different positions. It's not, that's really not what I meant. Okay. I'm just saying in general, we have a lot of conversations to have. Hey, Kenny Galladay falls into the same boat as a lot of other guys on this team. And what I mean by a lot of other guys they weren't brought in by this regime. They're not Dayball guys. They're not Joe Shane guys. They're Giants, right? And maybe they could ultimately become those type of guys. But if you were signed to some big contract by the previous GM, who, by the way, did an awful job, and that's why he's no longer the GM, you better go up and produce. Don't matter what you did in Detroit. Don't matter what it says on the back of your football card. It's what have you done for me lately, and that's how it should be. And it should be damn how much money you're making, damn how much money that you're still owed in the future, all those things produce. Because we want the best 53 guys that are going to help this team become a winner again and stop being a damn laughing stock. Real quick, just want to tell you Adam Schefter reporting. We were talking about our pal Chris Strebler. Jets informed Chris Strebler that they plan to release him on Tuesday. So, I mean, that's kind of the way the wind was blowing here. It really doesn't come as much of a surprise. And the plan of attack is they're going to hope that he doesn't get picked up and you're going to be able to sneak him onto the practice squad. But for his sake, you know what? I hope he gets a shot with somebody else because he earned it. He really and truly earned it. Uh, 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let's say out of Carl. He's in Long Beach. He's up first here, Dan Grasha Show, 98.7 ESPN. Carl, how are you? Hey, Dan. Thanks for taking the call, and good to uh, hear you back, man. Glad you're doing better. Hey, Carl. Thanks, bud. What's going on? Nothing. I was just, uh, based on your question from before, I thought you were making a lot of good points about, you know, what is um, what, what are our takeaways here. And, and I think both the Galladay and the Mims as just kind of cornerstone players are perfect analogies for showing that these teams have improved their nucleus, sure, but they're still very far away from the depth that they need to actually sustain a long season. And I think kind of, you know, where all of us as fans really are just kind of harping on guys like Galladay and Mims is because we're so desperate for that last piece of depth, and uh, it's really what they need to kind of make this turnaround. It's true, but, like, for instance, the difference between the two players, though, and I can't believe we're actually sitting here and talking about Mims and Galladay in the same sentence because Galladay is obviously – accomplished more in his career, but 
if the Giants have to – and I don't think it's going to happen. I, I would be shocked if it does. But imagine the Giants yeah. part ways with Galladay. Yes, they're sending a message, but then think about what they're left with. I mean, could you really rely on Kadarius Toney? He hasn't proven to be a dependable player yet. you got Sterling Shepard who's coming off of a lengthy absence. You don't know how much they're going to be able to push it forward with him. You know, Wandale Robinson, the youngster, has been in and out, banged up here too. So – Almost by necessity, I think the Giants need to keep Galladay going into the season. The Jets just have so much depth at wide receiver that, you know, unfortunately you wouldn't even know that Mims wasn't even here. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think that's really, like the Jets, like you're saying, Joe Douglas has done a much better job of filling out the roster beneath them. But you look at the Giants and one player is keeping you from basically having the roster of a, of a college team. It, it's, I'll, it, you know, it's not going to change overnight, and that's one of the examples. And, Carl, thank you for the phone call. It's so true. It's so true. And remember this, too. The, the whole James Bradbury episode from the offseason. I know James Bradbury's a corner. But why did the Giants have to cut James Bradbury? Not because he wasn't a good football player, not because they didn't want him. They cut James Bradbury because they were so capped out. And they made so many mistakes with the salary cap and gave so many bad contracts out, like the one that they gave to Kenny Galladay, or at least on the surface it appears to be a bad contract and he was overpaid, right? That they had to let one of their best players go for nothing. And that the 31 other teams who certainly would love to have a Bradbury on their roster, they didn't even call up the Giants and even offer to give up a low-round pick because they knew that the Giants were going to be left with no other decision but to have to cut them because they couldn't afford to keep them. I mean, we are going to... like. I know that there have been some bad regimes in our town and in sports and in this and that. And I know that the Giants were recently coming off of prosperity and winning. You know, when you have two Super Bowls in, you know, the last 15 years, it it does kind of somewhat soften the blow, which they have. But if you just look back at, like, the last five years and what they've done and how bad bad that track record was and just I mean the coaches the play I mean they were it was like a revolving door but it wasn't that much better in Florham Park either right these two teams I mean that's the distinction that we have here in New York as football fans these two teams have been the two worst teams in football the last five years nobody's won fewer games than the Jets and the Giants which is kind of a sad commentary but hopefully it's going to turn around here soon 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. More of your phone calls. Jets, Giants heading into the season. Expectations change in any way after what we've seen the last few weeks. And also, good move, bad move by the 49ers deciding to run it back with Jimmy Garoppolo. Dan Grasso Show, 9870 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Talking football, talking NFL. Less than two weeks away till the first Sunday when our routines resume. And a week from Thursday is when we actually get a real game, right? A week from Thursday. Bills, Rams, the season opener. That'll be the 8th of September. Looking forward to that. So 
Start outlining your fantasy teams, your survivor picks. I was looking at the the week one slate of games. I tried to stay away from it like until we get like really close. But I took a glance at it the other day to really like zero in on the week one survivor pick possibilities and you know who you may be. Because remember, week one is one of the hardest ones to choose because you don't know who these teams are. We think we know, but then there's always going to be a surprise out there. And then you could get left, you know what, you're out of a pool before it even begins. But you look at that Denver-Seattle game on that Monday night, right? Russell Wilson goes home to Seattle. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of emotions. You don't know if it's going to affect his play or not. But Denver's a better football team than the Seahawks. I mean, the Seahawks are terrible. Remember, the Seahawks just told you, Seahawks told you over the weekend, we are more than comfortable picking high in next year's draft. As a matter of fact, we're planning on it because, you know, they're going to run it back with, or run it with Geno Smith this year as their starting quarterback. So they're not going to win a lot of games. I mean, the roster's not very good to begin with, but they're not going to win a lot of games. And they're basically telling you, all right, Geno's going to be our guy this year, but we fully expect to draft our next quarterback in the first round in 2023 because there's a lot of good quarterbacks that are going to be eligible. That's the guy that we're going to take, and we hope Geno loses just enough games for us to get that next guy that we want, that next Russell Wilson, they hope. But I think that's a pretty safe bet, right? I mean, Denver should go in there and beat Seattle. But the crappy part about that is if that is your lone pick, you imagine sweating that thing out until Monday night? Imagine that. You got to like watch all the games on Sunday and then you got to have it come down to Monday night and you're waiting for your pick just to get you home just to week number two there. It's risky. It's risky. Uh, Let's say hi to Ira. He's in Staten Island. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, how are you? Hey, good. Good to hear you. Sound good. I missed you on the post game yesterday, but glad you're back tonight. Thanks, buddy. So. So any any uh, you know the you know thing you know he knew he was going to get cut. Hopefully they do pick him up with a practice squad. He was sure fun to watch over the summer, but you know now you got the real games. But you know I look at the roster and the cuts, and you know I know Gidry. I think they um, was out there that Gidry got cut. But besides that, I, I mean I don't see any shocks coming. You know the Mims thing. You know what's going to go on with that. But I. I I mean, do you see any surprise cuts? I mean, Will Parks, I know he's a backup safety, but to me, he's earned a spot on this team. I think Ashton Davis and Zaniga are going to be gone. Well, you ju- that's, that's the one that you just said, Ira, and that's the one that I'm going to be, you know, waiting to see because if you want it, let, let, let's, let, let's tell it like it is. If you want to base it on performance, if you took away where they were drafted, when they were drafted, and just based it on how they've played – Will Parks deserves to make the team over Ashton Davis. You know, but Ashton Davis was a third-round pick a couple of years ago. He really has not flashed yet, and you wonder how many more opportunities is he going to get? Because just based on what they've done, I mean, Will Parks has stood out more than Ashton Davis, and I wonder if that's going to be good enough to get him a spot. And it should. I mean, politics should get involved in this. You know, sometimes, you know, the tapes don't lie, your eyes don't lie. you got to go with the better player, and you know what, you just, you made, you know, whatever, you know, nobody's perfect. Nobody bats a thousand, you know, in, in the draft. And sometimes you just move on and, and you, you you keep the better player. And the other thing, you know, do you think, I mean, to me, Bryce Huff, if he can make this team, he certainly deserves a spot over Zeninger. I don't know if you're going to agree with me, but I think Huff has definitely earned the way onto this roster. I would agree. 
Huff's a guy they like. I, I mean, they like him a lot. They talked him up, you know, this coaching staff talked him up a lot. The problem with all those guys, you know, you mentioned Ashton Davis. You mentioned Zaniga. Uh, you know, LaMichael Pirine was cut. You know, he kind of just never really hit it off in this system. All those guys part of that 20 class. You want to throw Mims into the conversation. That was all for a different coaching staff, different system, both offensively and defensively. And those four in particular just never really, I think, fit in with this current crop of coaches, scheme, and maybe it might be best to cut your losses. Now, that's not my decision, but if they haven't really made an impact, how much longer of a leash are you going to give them? Well, that's a great point you bring up because everybody is so critical about personal um, people and general managers with their drafts. And, you know, like you said, he, they were drafted for a different coach. And you know what? These guys are talented guys. They get drafted into the NFL for a reason. It doesn't mean they can't play. But you know what? If you get drafted by the wrong team or if there's a coaching change or a system change, sometimes you fall at the wayside. And it's not like the – personnel staff may, may maybe they didn't pick bad players maybe it just was because it was for a different coaching staff that could be the case and ira thank you for the phone call we'll see what happens here again tomorrow at four o'clock is then when they all these teams got to get the roster down to 53 but it's true you know like in p ryan's case p ryan was drafted they thought that he'd be a a, a good a good runner in the scheme that adam gase used to employ when he was the coach here but now when you think about what they do now in this West Coast offense and the zone-blocking scheme and so on and so forth, they just thought that these other guys, like that's why they went and brought back Tevin Coleman again, again. Remember, they brought him in last year and then brought him back again this year on a new deal, you know, to have another veteran there. And you know that Michael Carter and Brees Hall, who were both drafted by this coaching staff because they thought they were good fits in this system, so you got those two young guys. Then they have the veteran in Coleman who has familiarity in it. Where does that leave a guy like Pirine? It, it, you know what I'm saying? So that's why he was kind of out in the odds um, when it comes to something like that. It's a tricky part of the business. Now, it doesn't mean they can't play in the league. It doesn't mean that they're good and not good enough. It just means that it might have to be someplace else. You know, there have been players over the years. You go back and like, it doesn't matter if they're good players, bad players. It just seems like some guys, though, are just perfect fits for a particular scheme, and that's why guys just move on from club to club, but if they all play that same scheme, whether it's offense, defense, they're going to be a fit for it, no matter what. You know, that's why you saw, like, you know, remember when Mangini was here? Like, he'd be signing a lot of guys who used to be former Patriots. Like, remember that dude, Hank Poteet? He was a corner. Like, they kept bringing back, like, Hank Poteet. So, you know, the system. Guy wasn't, you know, Darrell Rivas by any stretch, but you know what? If you needed somebody to line up the other way who knew where he was supposed to be, knew his assignments, what he was supposed to do, hey, they had faith in him because he wasn't going to botch up the mental part of the game. And that's what drives coaches crazy. You can, you know, not execute or you can get beat or not make a play, but if you make a mental, a mental mistake, that's just what makes them want to rip their hair out. All right, we'll keep this conversation going next at 800-919-3776. We'll also get into some baseball. Off day for the Mets. Good weekend, but maybe some things you didn't like either. Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>